If you're finding more pornographic content in your child's school or in your public library, send those excerpts and the title of the book and the author and, and when you found it, send it to your legislators. People were doing that. They were sending the material that they're finding. So we, we're encouraging people to continue to do that and send it to your house members at this point. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. You're listening to Fearless with Mark and Amber, a behind the scenes of our filmmaking ministry, Fearless Features. If you're new to the program, Fearless Features is a Christ-centered 501c3 nonprofit filmmaking ministry creating movies about the issues impacting our culture and society from a biblical perspective with a mission to educate, motivate, and inspire others to get involved in their local communities. You can learn more about us and the movies we're making by visiting fearlessfeatures.org. I'm your host, Amber Archer, and joining me today, I have a return guest, Rhonda Miller of Purple for Parents Indiana to talk about some of the recent legislation that we talk about in our new documentary film, The Mind Polluters. Rhonda, welcome to the program. Hi, Amber. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's always good to have you back on. You are such a wealth of knowledge and information, especially for those of us Hoosiers here in the great state of Indiana. So tell us what's been happening at the State House. Because um, in the movie, The Mind Polluters, we discuss the obscenity exemptions that are state law in 43 states in America. And could you give people a background? What are obscenity exemptions? Why are we fighting them? And what bills are being presented in the state house now in Indiana to overturn these and repeal those exemptions? Sure. So 43 states have um, what is called an obscenity exemption, which essentially allows our public schools and our public libraries to distribute obscene pornographic material um, to children. And so we are in the process of um, taking that task on of repealing our obscenity exemption, and which would put them back in the same status as anybody else. And so in Indiana in particular, it is illegal under statute 354933 to distribute, sell, or display the same material within 500 feet of a church or school. You also uh, cannot give a child's or minor um, access uh, via video. You can't give them visual, auditory, or physical access to the same material, um, or, it's, or it's a level six felony. Um, so that's what we're attempting to do is overturn our obscenity exemption so that um, schools can no longer give our children uh, this material. And we're finding extreme pornographic content in many of the books that we have found and our members across the state have found and have been trying to push back against their um, school boards and saving their children from seeing this material. And so uh, what we've done is take it to the state house. And um, we brought this legislation in 2021, um, as is highlighted in the film, The Mind Polluters. And, and um, unfortunately, it did not pass out of the Senate. It did make it out of committee, but it did not make it out of the Senate. And in fact, it was killed on the floor on, third, on second reading. So this year, Senator Toms promised that we would be back with the same piece of legislation. And um, he did. He filed it early in November. We had the, the bill SB 17. Um, and so we uh, worked very closely with him and it was heard in committee um, and it was voted on the next week. I think it was. It came out of the committee on a 9-4 vote. Um, so we had all of our Republicans stay intact, um, unlike last year, where a couple of them, I think, um, voted against us. But um, in any event, we're very, we were very happy that it came out of committee and then um, went through second reading this last Monday. Um, and it passed that intact, no amendments, although the Democrats tried to offer a couple. 
Um, and so that was, those were defeated and we were very excited. And then third and Tuesday, um, it went on third reading through the, the floor of the house. And I was there, um, as that was done. And, um, we were very, very thrilled to have that pass through the entire Senate on third reading on Tuesday. So now, um, we're at halfway point. The legislatures have been gone Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they will go back into session on Monday, and uh, we're at the second half of, of this short legislative session for 2022. So um, we're watching very closely those calendars that will be posted likely sometime today. Hopefully, um, we will see what happens next week and when SB 17 could likely be heard in the House Education Committee um, is where it will probably go. And um, we're very excited that House Representative Michelle Davis is um, sponsoring our bill in the House. And so we're very excited to be working with her. She's um, a very solid representative, um, a, a, a strong woman of courage. So we're excited to have her um, carrying that for us. So for everybody who doesn't understand the legislative process, so it was in the Senate and passed through there. It now goes to the House. So how many readings um, will it have? And what can we as constituents do to help in this process to keep this moving forward and get passed? Sure. So each each uh, side has three readings. So the first reading it's read is assigned a committee and then the committee um, holds it and, and will schedule a public hearing on it. Um, and then once that happens, we can go down and testify uh we, we stand with it or oppose it. Some people will oppose it, obviously. And, and once it comes out of committee, they'll take a vote. It'll come out of committee. Then it goes to the full floor, which in this case will be the House floor at this point. And then on second reading, it can be amended on the House floor. And then they'll, um, they'll uh, send it on to third reading. And then and third reading is where the full uh, floor of the House will vote on uh, passage or or um, not. So so and and it's so important for people to understand this process because our voices really do matter. We as constituents. And so the most important thing to do at this point is we need to be calling our representatives now to tell them to vote in favor, vote yes for SB 17? Yeah, yeah. Um, in particular, I would be calling the House, the House Education Committee, which is where we expect it to go. Um, I would be calling them and telling them to hold a hearing on it um, and to vote yes on SB 17. And then it'll go to the full floor once it comes out of there. And then you would be contacting your individual um, House representative, yes. And so is, is there anything else on SB 17 you want to mention? Because there are there's another bill that I think there's a lot of confusion around HB 1134. And we're going to talk about that. But is there anything else on SB 17 that you want to mention to people before we move on? Just we just need them to keep contacting and putting pressure on email, phone calls. Uh, they are listening and they are getting it. If you're finding more um, pornographic content in your child's school or in your public library, send those excerpts and the title of the book and the author, and, and when you found it, send it to your legislators, because that's highly important. That's what happened in the Senate. People were doing that. They were sending their um, the material that they're finding. They're sending that to them so that they know. So we, we're encouraging people to continue to do that and send it to your House members at this point. And so let's, let's move on to HB 1134. And can you tell us what this bill is and kind of dissect it and give us all the pros and cons of what's happening here? Yeah, so 1134, House Bill 1134 is basically the leadership's bill on how to address uh, critical race theory, um, how to address transparency for, for um, material that the kids are being taught, and how to um, essentially 
stop the surveys. Um, but we had some very serious concerns about this bill early on. Um, and we really wanted House Bill 1040. That would have addressed all of the concerns that parents had with education and leadership refused to hear it. And so essentially they kept both bills alive, um, which meant none of the components of 1040 could have been amended into 1134. And so um, what happened was 1134 did go through uh, the House Education Committee. We were down there testifying against it because we had our own concerns with it. And um, on second reading on the full uh, House floor, um, Representative Hook, who authored the bill to begin with, um, amended his own bill and made it from go from bad to even worse. And so um, our serious concerns now have escalated over this bill because on uh, page 34 and 35, in particular in section 21 that he added, um, it's, it states early on that a school psychologist, a, a licensed psychologist and a school employee um, cannot send a child out for services, if you will, um, without parental knowledge or consent. However, first of all, tell people what services are we talking about? So services could be anything from mental health services. It could be, um, it could even lead into transitioning services for children who, uh, the schools latched onto that are they're they're steering them down the transgender path. It could be, it could even be planned parenthood services. Um, it's not spelled in, out in there. So it leaves it very wide open. And we know for a fact that, those types of things are happening across the country, and it's just a matter of time before it happened here. So that raised a, a real alarm for us when we saw that language, because down below on the bottom part of 34 and 35, he goes into um, how the process will work. The parents will get one notice, um, written notice, and they'll have an uh, opportunity to opt out. If after 21 days they don't see that notice, they get a second one um, that will be emailed to them or an electronic format. And um, if they don't see uh, that 10 days later, the schools are taking it upon themselves to send the children out for those services. Now, you know, that's the same similar language that we had in SB 65 back in 2018 when we fought the parental rights bill then. And so what they did was they essentially took that same kind of language and put it into this bill. And now they're going to push services onto children um, that could be that could range from a number of things. But in any event, for the school to insert themselves and take over that parental authority just because they feel the child um, should should be uh, given those services is disturbing. Walk us through from from your stance and, and reading and, and digesting this bill. What what is what are the key components that parents need to understand? Well, not only parents, parents, teachers, you know, how is this affecting teachers? You know, because I see a lot I see a lot of teachers coming out against it and I, and I support them in that and and hear them. But can you can you break it down for us? Sure. So the teachers are upset over this because it was going to it requires them to put uh, their lesson plans and, and um, curriculum up on a portal on the their website, the school website. And um, they're upset because they were saying that a lot of times they change curriculum on the fly and then to make sure that it's up on the portal. And if they violate that, you know what happens. And and so they have their own reasons for opposing this bill. Um, and I understand that they were trying to do that so that parents had transparency. Um, however, in his amendment that he offered um, also included a clause of um, it did not require the uh, schools to uh, distribute or release information that was considered third-party uh, copyright material, which we know for a fact schools are already 
um, telling parents they can't share that information with them if it's a social emotional learning program that they want or curriculum that um, they're claiming third party uh, copyrights. Uh, reasons as to why they can't give it to parents. And so his amendment actually gave the schools more of a, a, a leg to stand on when it comes to that kind of material. And that was one of the reasons why um, we objected to it as well. But the teachers are upset because they don't want to put their material up online. They're claiming it'll take a lot more time for them to do that and that they they change stuff on the fly. So that is that is one of the components that they're they're fighting back on as well. And I think that's probably why that clause was put in there about the, the copyright material. And and we had talked earlier. So if a parent has a complaint, can you, what this bill says, how long does it take and and walk people through this process that they've, they've put into this bill? Yeah. So the process that they put in um, is rather disturbing in itself um, because what, what happens is it, when a school violates this, because they will, um, they, they violate the laws all the time and nobody holds them accountable. So what will happen is if a, it, when a parent finds a violation, uh, they, they can file a complaint with the principal who has uh, five days. And then um, based on the decision he has or she has, they can file a, an appeal to the superintendent. And then that superintendent has 10 days to respond. And then based on that decision, you can then take it to the school board and appeal to them. They have 30 days. And then if you're not satisfied still, then you can go to this, the Indiana Department of Education and they have 30 days to respond as well. Our problem with that, though, is we know that the Indiana Department of Education is training through pro- professional development our schools, administrators and teachers on how to implement this stuff in the classroom. And so to put them at the at the end of the uh, complaint appeals process is rather absurd um, because they're not they're obviously not going to have the parents and best interests in mind when making that decision. Then at that point, um, a parent, if they can find a lawyer to take the case, they can file a civil lawsuit. Um, but uh, the issue with that is if you go to court and a judge uh, sides in your favor, you can only get up to a thousand dollars. So you better hope that whatever the violation was, a thousand dollars is going to cover the services. Um, for uh, and, whatever, and in the taught. meantime, yeah, and in the meantime, the kids are still being taught whatever curriculum you've found the violation for in the beginning. So you know, nothing is really going to change or happen here, right? And that's been our whole point all along. And then the the worst part about that is, is if you get a corrupt liberal judge who then sides on, in favor of the uh, sides in the favor of the school. And against the parents, the parents can be fined up to $10,000, which is absurd. So you go from $1,000 in favor of the parents that you better hope covers whatever damage is done to your child based on whatever violation it is to a possible $10,000 um, if they find it's frivolous or um, in bad bad faith. So that seems a bit drastic and, and, and crazy and um, I think it's basically a, a deterrent um, to keep parents from filing those lawsuits. So we obviously have a major problem with that part of the bill as well. Wow. So what are can you give people some examples of violations? Because I think when we start talking about these bills, people um, it, it's very broad. And I and I and I the language is broad. So can you give can you give people some examples of what a violation would be? Yeah. So under the statute, if they uh, they're not supposed to be teaching anything sex, gender, um, anything race theory. So if they violate that, and that your your child is given an assignment 
that basically separates and causes division based on skin color, race, ethnicity, those sorts of things, that would be a clear violation of this of this uh, proposal. And so at that point, you can take that to this, the superintendent or the principal. You start there with the principal and you say, hey, this is a violation. And then you start that process. And if in, in most cases, and um, the teacher, and um, then you're going to go through all that process. But it's it's that kind of material that they're saying um, would be a violation in this. Um, and I'm I'm questioning whether or not you can file uh, complaints and appeals uh, if the services are violated as well. So that's something we're going to be discussing going forward. But you're it, basically the curriculum that they're supposed to be stopping and the surveys. They're not supposed to be surveying your children either, which they're going to do because the Indiana Department of Education has a contract with Panorama to survey your children. So so where do we go from here? Where do people who want to get involved, how do they how do they contact you and your organization and get involved with what you guys are doing? Yes, yeah, so we have a website purpleforparents.com, purpleforparentsindiana.com, and then we also have a Facebook page, um, Purple for Parents Indiana, when we're we're posting videos and um, certain um, things that we're we're highlighting in these bills that we're watching. We are trying to see if we can do some amending to this bill. But as it stands right now, we do not support 1134. Um, I realize many, many parents across the state are being told this is a great bill. They're going to get transparency. They're going to get, they're going to stop a lot of this stuff. They're going to stop the surveys. However, um, many of the, the groups that are leading that effort are totally disregarding the dangers that are hidden within this uh, legislation. So that's what we are highlighting because we're not only fighting for the protections of children, we're also uh, fighting for the, the parental rights that are a clear violation um, in some of this language in this bill. I would also like to add that you, Rhonda, are our partnering distributor for our new documentary film, The Mind Polluters, which can you give people... It helps everyone understand all of these issues actually that are happening at the state house. Can you just kind of give people an, an overview of what's been happening with the movie screenings and how those have been going and how they can also contact you to set up and host an event, a screening in their community? Sure. I'll tell you, it's been very exciting to take this film and, and show it to different communities and and help wake them up and help them realize what's really happening because it's a great uh, story put together. You guys, you guys did a phenomenal job with it. And so people are very excited and emotional and all the emotions are going at the end of it when they're done, but they are giving you guys high praise for the way you've laid it out and the, and the way you've put it together. And it's, it's exposing a lot of uh, the things that we are seeing unfold at the state house. And that's what I've been telling people the last couple of weeks on my stance on these pieces of legislation especially 1134, that when you watch the film, you're seeing this played out in the, in the stories that are told through the film. So um, it's a great resource. And we're very, very thankful that we're able to work with you and Mark and, and get that um, distributed across the state. So what we're telling people is, you know, go to our, our page, message us, um, and we will connect with you. We That's how we're doing it. People are screening um, setting up screenings for us and they're messaging us in order to be able to do that. So we've had, uh, I think, two or three additional screenings set up this week. So um, people are getting the word out and we're getting the word out to pastors, which is really, really exciting. We've got um, a group in Southern and part of the state that are that are working with uh, several different pastors for a, a screening and then the, uh, showing it in their individual churches across the three county area. So we're very excited about the potential of of getting into the churches and hitting the, hitting the congregations. And so if people aren't on 
social media, if they're not on Facebook, how do they reach out to you for um, setting up a screening? They can also go to our website um, and, and message us there and um, they can connect with us there. They can also, I'm on Facebook as, as an individual, so they can come to my private page, Rhonda B. Miller. Um, it's a back, my backup page. Um, so they can message me there as well and we'll connect with them and get get them uh, partnered so we can get the shown fil- the film shown in their community. Yeah, and if you are in Indiana or if you're in any other states, I know we have a lot of out-of-state listeners, um, you can go to themindpolluters.com and send us a message. There's a um, contact us tab at the bottom. So if you get lost with all those, themindpolluters.com. Um, and you can we'll get you connected with who you need to be connected with to get a screening set up in your community. Well, Rhonda, that is all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of the information and letting all of us know what's happening in the state house and how we can get involved because it's really gonna it really takes all of us doing our part and getting involved and unifying around our kids and our families and our values. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Amber. It's always a pleasure to be here. Oh, thanks, Rhonda. All right, well, you guys, you can always go and check out fearlessfeatures.org for more information. And we will make sure to have links in the show notes about everything we talked about. Have a wonderfully blessed day. We'll talk to you again next week. Music.